Welcome to the Eastview Baptist Church Teaching Podcast. We're a church in Belton, South Carolina, who's committed to love God, love people, and build the kingdom. We're currently in a teaching series through the book of Acts titled To the Ends of the Earth, where we study the early church and principles that we can apply even today to our local churches. We pray that you will enjoy this podcast and that it would be beneficial and just leading uh, to, to new teachings in your heart. If you would, please like, share, and subscribe this teaching to make it more readily available to those that you love. We love you, and God bless. Good morning, y'all. How you doing? Hey, look, we got two people that decided to come step forward into those seats. Amen? Amen. Uh, If you have your Bible with you today, uh, and I pray that you would have a Bible with you today, if you do not have a copy of your Bible, please, 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 physical copy of the Bible, uh, do not leave this place today without getting with us. We would love to put a Bible in your hands. Uh, One of the greatest gifts that you can ever do for someone uh, is to give them the encouragement that is available only through the Word of God. Uh, So, uh, if you'll look at the screen, you'll notice that we're going to be in Acts chapter 12 at verse 20, and it appears that we're going to stop at verse 13, or chapter 13, verse 3. Alright, so let me just give you a rundown on how this is going to work. We're really going to cover those pretty in-depth, but from about 30,000 foot, we're going to cover the rest of the book of Acts. Does that sound like a doable and fun mission that you guys want to embark on today? Right? I hope that you did not make plans for the next few hours. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. All right. Uh, But if you have your your Bible with you today, if you will, uh, please come to to the book of Acts uh, chapter uh, 12. And we're going to pick up there at verse 20. (laughs) And I want to read for you really quick before we do so. Uh, If you will, kind of put your left finger there at Acts 12.20. And flip back over to Ephesians chapter 4 where we were just at uh, during the introduction uh, and during the announcements. And so once you have Acts or Ephesians rather, chapter 4, if you will stand with me as we read the Word of God together. Uh, so Ephesians chapter 4, uh, picking up at verse 11. Ephesians 4, picking up at verse 11. And once we, we read this, you'll, you'll begin to unravel and see uh, the connection. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 11, it says, And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers. Remember this acronym, if you never learned anything from me. A-P-E-S-T. 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 To equip the saints for the work of ministry, and for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, when there is perfection, we can stop doing that. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, 
from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father God, we're just so thankful to be in your house, Lord, to be in your word together as a family, God. I just pray that this morning, Lord, that you would convict us, God, that you would encourage us, you would provide counsel for us, God. Most importantly, God, that you would send us on the paths and the ways of righteousness in which you have called us to, God. And I just pray that this morning, Lord, that we be steered by the Spirit, that we be stirred by the Spirit, that we would seek you and we would serve you above all things. We pray these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. All right. So remember, guys, I told y'all some statistics, some numbers. I'm not normally a numbers guy. But let me give you some numbers really quick. And let me give you some national numbers really quickly uh, so that, uh, so that, that we can kind of see the, the, the whole, not just this body, but the whole. So Lifeway Research, uh, in the year 2000, saw that median across our country, median or middle, middle, medium, Worship attendance in the USA was 137 saints in the body of Christ and churches all around this country. 137 is the, the medium. Today, median worship attendance in the USA is 65 people. We have, have literally cut in half the attendance of, of, of the saints into the body of Christ, cut in half. And here in this house, amongst what we have in terms of an, of an active roster, 33% of our church, the members of this church, 33% are attending two times a week. 33% monthly, two times a week. 21% are serving or volunteering in some capacity or fashion. One out of five. All right. Just want to put those out there for you really quick. And we're going to dive into the Word of the Lord together. Not to begin on a somber nature, but to put you very much in the face of the, rea the reality of that which we are up against. This church will be a beacon. It will be hope for our community. It will. The question is, will it happen during our lifetime or will it happen in the age of perfection? The one that we saw read when we can stop doing the task here on earth there in the book of Ephesians. I pray that we do the work that God has called us to while we're here. Because when we do the work that God has called us to while we are here, heaven grows. Heaven is triumphant. 
Not to say it doesn't matter, it's insignificant to me whether our church is successful in terms of metrics. But if the overall global church is not successful in terms of metrics, then we're not getting people to heaven, guys. Not that getting people to heaven is under our own power or metric, but there is something required of us there. Gospel presentations. When we stop talking about Jesus... When we turn His name into a secret, it's a lot harder for people to find Jesus. So let me bring us really quick to Acts chapter 12, verse 20. We're going to read the fall of a man who was allowed in his destructive nature to be at power. And we're going to see what happens to those who stand in opposition of God. Acts chapter 12, verse 20. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. There's a certain story where a child is sold into slavery. He was a man who our children could sing many nursery songs about a man with a coat of many colors, Joseph and his brothers, sold him into slavery. And the one that was to be oppressed becomes the right-hand man of the king and is able to provide for his family because of the providence of God. And here we see an evil man inherit Agrippa who has been in power and been in control, but alas, God has a much bigger plan than me and you can see on the surface. So while it's easy to get deterred by these metrics that are dropping, that does not have to be the finality. That does not have to be our end result, family. The book of 2 Chronicles says that if we would hear God's voice and would, would return to Him the call of His people, then, and then only can we be People of God. But it requires us to repent and turn from the old way of doing things. The man-centered way of doing things. And on an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. Does it say he preached? No. He delivered a message that was blasphemous. He orated. In other words, he conducted a monologue from a place of position and authority. How can we be sure that this was blasphemous? Just just wait. We'll find it. On an appointed day, Herod begins to orate, and the people were shouting, the voice of God and not of a man. And we've seen this with Peter, where someone bows to him and says, Peter... Oh man, you are just so good. And Peter says, man, get up. I am not not the Christ. I am not the Messiah. It ain't me. But notice what a prideful man does. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down. Why? Because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms. And he breathed his last. Sounds like a peaceful death. 
That is sarcasm. That sounds horrible. But look at this, guys. Remember God. You say, how could God be letting this evil man be in such a place of power and authority? Now watch what happens when the evil man has his fall that comes. The the folly of an evil or prideful man is his arrogance. But the word of God, verse 24, increased and multiplied. And so what happens? God gets the glory. Herod refused to give God the glory. And God got his glory. He don't need your permission. He don't need you, guys. Whatever he uses us for is a blessing that we get to be a vessel. So when we get a big head and say, look what I've done. Look at me, me, me. Check yourself. Check your ego at the door. God will receive the glory. Whether you submit it to Him or He takes it at bended knee, God will get the glory. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem. And when they had completed their service, and they were bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark, or John Mark, the son of the lady who owned the upper room. The upper room is the place in which the church kick-started. And look at that full circle. Was John in a place, John Mark, a place of power and authority when the church sparked? No. Remember, that was roughly seven to, to ten, again, depending on your historian, seven to ten years ago. So likely, John Mark may have been a child or a very young man at that point. So God was working on him. God is working on you, whether you want to see it, whether you acknowledge it or not. God is working on all of us. Will you answer the call? Verse 1 of chapter 13. And now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Serene, Manaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. All of these are not locals, guys. These are men from a pretty wide range of places. In other words, the gospel message is beginning to make it out there. The hope that is found in Christ alone is beginning to make it out there. And when God told them, bring it to all people, to all ethnic groups, to all languages, all tribes, all tongues... This church is seeing it happen. The church in Jerusalem. The church at Antioch. But go across our beautiful country and look at the division and the disparity in the churches around our country. Can I just break something for y'all real quick? Particularly in the South, we're known for this one. You can send me your hate mail later, guys. This term white church or black church that we have known probably the duration of your life, that's not a real thing. We are the church of Christ Jesus. We are a church who is called to reach all people groups. 
Get over the pride. Verse 2, and while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. In other words, while they were committed. Why is the church growing here, guys? And it's not growing in our times because they're committed. When is the last time that you spent significant time in prayer and fasting? Let me just be very transparent with you. The bulk of this church has probably never fasted in their life. The mean guy's back. The church grows because they are committed. What's our commitment look like? 33%, 21%. A church across America that has halved itself and has cut its attendance in half. Where's our commitment? And we wonder why we are no longer a Christian nation because we gave it to idol gods. Remember that word apes that I showed you guys in the very beginning of this message? And I read to you that word apostle. And if you'll go to Ephesians 4, you'll notice that it's a little a apostle. And when it refers to Peter and James and John, and these guys, there's a big a apostle. Different, different but same elevated position of this term apostle. Let me just tell y'all something. Apostle, as you saw it in Ephesians 4, means a sent out one. When's the last time that you took the call that we read every single week here in this church and took it seriously and you were sent out? And while they were... Praying and they're worshiping and they're fasting. The Holy Spirit said, look at this guys. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. They became apostles to the mission of missions. They became sent out, set apart for the position of missionary. Let me just tell you something really quick. Why was it required for them to be a missionary? Because the world didn't know about Jesus. Look at the statistics that we've read. I'd say the world may be trying to forget Jesus. I want to send you out from this place today, from this study, this 21-week study we've had in the book of Acts, and send you out to be set apart to be a missionary in your own backyard. When's the last time you had a conversation with your neighbor about Jesus? And you wonder why you can't have conversations at the water cooler at work. Because you can't have conversations with the people you're comfortable with. What if I offend them? The gospel is offensive. And then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. After praying and fasting, they commissioned 
them. The church got behind them and said, not only do we see your mission, your vision, and what God has called you for, when they sent them off, as this says, that means that they committed to praying for them. They committed to being financially responsible for them, that they could do what God called them to do. How we doing, church? Let's just let me let me just read something for you real quick. Remember, Saul, as we knew him, begins to go to a Gentile people group. Saul is a Jewish name. Paul is a Gentile name. There's there's no crazy illusion that you're 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 misreading. That's just the differential. Saul. The Jewish people would recognize that. They would know that name. Paul, a Gentile people, would recognize that, would know that name. Now, Saul is being sent out. He's being called out to reach a Gentile people. All right, watch this. This is Paul's first missionary journey. I don't know why it's not called Saul and Barnabas' first missionary journey. But... You know, Barnabas is a guy who doesn't need the the recognition. He just does the work. Seleucia, Cyprus, Salamis, Paphos, Perga, Pamphylia, Antioch, Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, Derbe, Lystra, Derbe, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, Posada, Pamphylia, Perga, Adelia, and Antioch. Does it sound like he was getting around a bit? Yeah, he was getting around a bit. This man who we have seen so far and his pride had gotten in his way and he liked to be divisive and he fought with people because he always had to be right. And now notice that he's going from one place to the next and he's being welcomed in most of these places. He's being acknowledged in most of these places. He's not being told in most of these places, go away, we know who you are. Which means that Barnabas, remember he had been in contact even when Saul was sent to Tarsus. We see Barnabas comes back to this guy and goes, man, if i got to go to the Gentiles, I'm taking that guy with me. Which, what does this mean? It means Saul or Paul has matured in his faith. Why are we not able to, to be sent out and called out anymore? Because a lot of people, far too many people, are not maturing in their faith. They stay spiritual babes forever. Guys, don't get me wrong. I mean, you, you still get heaven. You still get heaven. That's not what you're called for. Let me just, let me just remind y'all of something real quick. <clears throat> Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will receive power when you take my message to the end of the earth. To take the message to the end of the earth requires you to spiritually grow. It means at some point in time, mother's milk is not enough. Bread alone is not enough. We have to start eating spiritual sustenance. We got to start growing in the Word. And here is Paul 
Here is Barnabas. And they're going all over the place. That's just part of the list. On the first missionary journey, by the way. And they come to a place called Antioch. You guys remember Antioch? Just lie to me and tell me yes. Right? What is Antioch? It's the other church, right? You got the Jews in Jerusalem, big church. But here's the thing. They were really into missiology and they were really into taking care of the poor. So what did they need? Money to be able to take care of the poor. And so out in Gentile world, you have this church called Antioch. Antioch is out in Gentile world. May have affluent people in it. Here's the crazy part. These are the people that eight years prior, those same people in the church of Jerusalem would have said, "Mm -mm, gospel can't go to them. Right? The Savior will mm -mm, He won't go for them. They're Gentiles. And now, they're unified for the most part. And they're financially helping to support one another. They're helping to do ministry hand in hand, side by side. We've seen that they'll have apostles or prophets at one uh, church and they'll have them in abundance. So what do they do? They send them over to the other church and say, help us advance the gospel. And in Antioch, the other Jews, remember, there were some guys who were pretty angry. The Gentiles were just getting to become Christians. They were getting to go to heaven. They didn't like that. And so what did they do? They started uh, enforcing a, a Jewish tax, so to speak. They have to, to do the, the Jewish ritual ceremonies. They have to do the Jewish traditions, the Jewish customs. In other words, they have to go from Gentile to Jew and then to Christian. Why? Because we had to do the hard stuff, so they should have to too. And then God does this really cool thing where He says, life's not fair, and that's okay. They don't have to do that. They have to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and commit to His mission. Commit to the Gospel. Stop trying to put your customs on these people. And that happens uh, in a a thing called the, the Jerusalem Council. And so in Acts chapter 15... They begin to to take their case of why some of these more devout Jews take their case why the the converts should have to convert to Judaism and then to become Christians. And so they they come to a decision. Probably made a lot of people mad. Look at this, verse 5. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. I don't think I have to explain circumcision to anybody. We're good? Okay. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by the mouth, by by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. What's the gospel? Jesus came, lived a perfect life. Jesus died your death. Jesus was buried and carried your sin as far as the east is from the west. And Jesus rose and carried us and made us available for us a pathway and a bridge to heaven once again. 
And then he came back to us to deliver his message. And then one day he ascended. And as he ascended, the Holy Spirit descended to make available for us the helper, the counselor, the guy that tells us within ourselves when we're doing really dumb stuff, that is the Holy Spirit, the same voice that as we read God's word leads us and guides us through his word to find more close and intimate relationship with Jesus. <clears throat> Acts 15.8 And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them. And by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as He did to us. And He made no distinction between us and them. And having cleansed their hearts by faith, now therefore... Oh man, Peter says something controversial here, guys. You're supposed to say, not Peter. There we go. <laughs> now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test? This is the kind of thing that he would have heard Jesus say to people. This is the kind of thing that he heard Jesus say to Pharisees. Why is your faith so small that you have to put God to the test? Why are you placing a yoke on the necks of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Peter said, you're trying to make them, you're trying to enforce customs on them that we're not able to withhold, that we can't withstand. And Jesus told us very clearly in Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 through 30, give our burdens to Him. Bring the yoke to Him that He would carry the burdens with us. And it was aimed at these same kind of Pharisees. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. And at that point in time, I assure you, there were people who were ready to drag Peter out. What Peter said in essence, in today's words, in today's terms, this black church, white church thing, Hush the nonsense. we got to come together. We've got to unite this country. We have to unite this world once again. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. Why are you putting a burden? Why are you putting a yoke on somebody's neck that you can't keep up? And then he opened it and he handed him the tough pill to swallow. And as the assembly fell silent, they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Peter comes and says, man, we're all equal under Christ Jesus. Paul and Barnabas come and just to further fuel the fire, say, 
Oh yeah, and those people you hate and those people you're trying to enforce this on, they've been doing the same miracle signs and wonders you have. And after they finished speaking, James, this is the brother of Jesus, replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for His name. What's beautiful is the Jerusalem Council meets. They come up with a verdict. Look at this, verse 19 through 21. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who have turned to God. And just like that, guess what, guys? Remember we talked about division and how it's not a new thing. Just like that, there would have been splits and rifts among the church. But he should write to them to abstain. Look, he says it's not that good. Don't just think they get to keep going and doing whatever they want, though. There are some, there are some ramifications of this. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols. In other words, y'all got to stop just bowing down and worshiping to any old thing. But we've got that one nailed down, right? Mmm. Mmm. Yeah, when a pastor says, mmm, that ain't good. We have to abstain from sexual immorality. Hookup culture, dead. Premarital sex, dead. Homosexuality, dead. Sex is a beautiful thing for husband and wife. Why? Go back to Genesis 1 through 3, you'll see. God had a plan for all this. Procreation was part of the plan. We have to be fruitful and multiply. But to be fruitful and multiply, to be fruitful and multiply, there are, again, qualifications, ramifications, things we have to adhere to. And from what has been strangled and from blood. Again, more idolatry. For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him. For he has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. So what does that mean? It means they had been drawing such a distinction between Jew and Gentile. They had been looking past the whole law of Moses to see there were Gentiles there too. James, the brother of Jesus, says, y'all got to stop writing the playbook just to fit your narrative. And so, they go from here, guys. And there's a little squabble. Historians can't agree over why the squabble actually happened. But for some reason, John Mark departs from them along the first missionary journey and goes back to Jerusalem. I'm just saying we have a tendency to see that Paul says mean things at times. 
And then there's a squabble between Paul and John Mark, right? There's some context clues. But whatever happened between them, Paul's like, I'm not going on with this guy. And Barnabas says, that's okay. I'll go forward with him. Look at this. Look, look at how this works, guys. So there were two of us with an administrative assistant. It was John Mark. And we were able to reach all these peoples. Oh, watch this. What if me and John Mark... Now, John Mark is a messenger for God. What if me and him go this way? And, and Paul, you and this, 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 this guy named Silas. How about y'all go that way? And now watch what happens. Paul meets a young man you're probably familiar with. Look at chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came to Derbe and to Lystra, and the disciple was there named... Look at what that says, y'all. In your Bible. Who's there? Timothy. The son and the faith to Paul. So if John Mark and Paul and Barnabas don't have their squabble, right? Check this out. The church doesn't grow exponentially like it does by sending two groups of guys out to different places. Paul likely doesn't meet this guy, Timothy. And wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's where it gets even crazier. Follow this. <clears throat> and there was a man named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman, who was a believer, but his father was a Greek, a Gentile. Way back in the early parts of Acts, we talked about how people like this would be cast out to the outskirts of society. They would be called half-bloods, things of this nature, and cast out. You can't do anything. Did you realize the actual heritage of Timothy to understand why Paul's commitment to Timothy is so important? Paul poured into a guy who didn't look like him. Paul poured into a guy who other people wrote off and said, man, not a chance. Paul poured into a guy because the guy's mom and grandma had great faith. Whether you know it or not, we're going to come back to Acts later. I was kind of teasing y'all. We're not looking at the whole book of Acts. I wanted to show you the first missionary journey of Paul because we'll come back to Acts one day. Alright? But I want to show you something really quick. I had to show you Timothy. I had to show you Timothy's heritage. I wanted to show you how all these squabbles and all these things divide people. And what happens... In Acts chapter 17, it's probably my favorite verse of Scripture uh, in, in regards to our faith and to defining our faith. And look at this. Paul and Silas come to a place called Thessalonica. You say, why? That sounds familiar. Because there's two letters written to the church at Thessalonica. Thessalonica. And so it's written there because Paul and Silas go and make uh, connections with a guy named Jason. This guy named Jason brings them into his house. They've just gotten out of jail. 
How many people have you just took in from jail? For the bulk of y'all, no. Right? Maybe you have. But for the bulk of people, you look at people who have gotten to the down and outcast and you say, "Mm -mm, I broke them off. God don't write nobody off. When did you assert yourself to the position of God? I deal with law enforcement agents pretty regular. Y'all know what they want the most? I will, I will speak on their behalf for this one. Not that they just go arrest some guy and he goes and spends forever in jail. They want him to become or her to become rehabilitated. They want that person and they have to understand that it may not happen. But they want to have that hope in a person that says, man, there's a chance. If somebody will give them a chance, if they'll get their lives straight, they could be something better. Now here's the part some of you might not know. I was one of those people. Yeah. I was one of those people that made it into the judicial system. I was one of those people that made it into the jails. I was one of those people. And people poured into me. I had a I had a Paul that poured into me and said, you know what? Kid, I'll take a chance on you. His name was Richard Boucher. And if if he doesn't pour into me, I'm probably not here right now. I'm not going to lie. I probably fall right back into the same clutches of where I was. But I had a Paul that believed in me and said, you know what, Timothy? You kid that was born out of wedlock. You kid who's been through the legal system. You kid who has been on the outskirts of society. I'll take a chance on you. And I had a Paul who believed in me. Still to this day, I get regular check-ins from Richard and he says, How you doing, Timothy? And look at this. Jason takes these guys in, these troublemakers in. They've just gotten out of jail. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas. What's the, what's the squabble about? They literally took a girl who was a fortune teller and was possessed by a demon, cast the demon out, said, young lady, you're free now. You have new life in Christ Jesus. Her owners come and said, that was our cash cow. What are you doing? And they have them locked up. They had them locked up for giving someone Jesus. But the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob because that's the way we handle problems. Pitchforks, yelling. We don't like this. And they set the city into an uproar and attacked the house of Jason. So surely they're put in jail for causing a riot, right? Surely they're put in jail for, 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 for attacking somebody's house. No. They attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. Bring those guys out so we can lynch mob them in the streets. 
And look at this. Look at this, guys. I tell you all this to bring you to a couple numbers in just a minute. Verse 6. If you're a highlight in your Bible kind of person, take notes. If you're someone who doesn't write in your Bible, that's okay, I get it. This is a good place to highlight one. When you need to look at your faith, there's a good place to come. Look at this. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, those men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Does your faith turn the world upside down? Or does your faith fit into the culture? And Jason has received them. In other words, Jason is guilty by association. Yeah, we attacked his house. We probably burned part of it. Don't worry about that. He, he brought the guys who, who were setting people free in Jesus' name. And they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar. Like that's always been their fallback. We're going to tattle to Rome. Saying that there is another king who is Jesus. I'm standing before you today, family, and telling you, there is a king in this world. His name is Jesus. Do you know him? And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. Why? Because they attacked that person's house. No, still not that. And when they had taken money as a security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Did y'all notice something? Jason and his family and his friends are literally being persecuted for bringing in Paul and Silas. And what do they do? Because look guys, if you brought somebody in and they brought persecution into your house, what are you doing? Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back. No. Right? Y'all know that one. That's what you're doing. But watch this. Watch this. They had taken money as a security from Jason and the rest. They let them go. Jason, his friends, his family pay their bounty. They pay their bail. And say, y'all take the gospel. Keep it going. Now remember, I told y'all the numbers were going to be good and they were going to be bad. You were going to like part. You weren't going to like part. 33% and 21%. Do we like those numbers? No. Step it up. It's the nicest way I can say that. Step it up. That comes from up here too, guys. All of us. Step it up. But in spite of this, in spite of limited commitment, follow this. Since April, May, we've seen three people go from death to life and salvation. We have baptized 15 people who went forth in public proclamation and said, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. We have added 29 people to active membership, 25 of which have become regular 
church attenders. All that on 33% and 21% half-hearted commitment. Hey guys, if we buy in, in the words of Dabo Sweeney, if we go all in, it's not working well for him right now. Maybe a bad example. But if we go all in for Jesus, what do those numbers look like? What do the souls who go from death to life look like? If we stop seeing if we stop seeing color, if we stop seeing uh, demographics, if we stop seeing uh, socioeconomic and wallets, checkbooks, if we stop seeing socioeconomic statistics, if we start seeing every person for someone who deserves to hear the message of Christ. Jesus, what can this look like? So today, this invitation is going to look a little different. Of course, if you need to come and give your life to Jesus Christ, please do not leave this place. If you're someone who's never been baptized and you are a believer in Christ Jesus and you're looking for your next step of obedience, please come talk to us about baptism. If you are someone who has been uh, coming to this church body and says, man, this is home. This is my family. Please come have those conversations. But also, let me open up this morning. If you're someone who is coming and you're sitting in a pew and you're leaving and you're not carrying out the gospel message of Christ Jesus, come have conversations about what you can do to be the hands and feet of the church. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we're just so thankful this morning to be in your house, to be with your people, God, that this is our family, Lord. We just pray that those in attendance this morning, God, that they would hear your message, they would hear the proclamation of your word, Lord, that you would steer them, that you would... would would literally just awaken their souls to You, God. That You would bring those from death into life, God. We pray, Lord Jesus, that You will use us this morning. You will encourage us this morning. And that we could be Your hands and feet. Pray these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.